Hello, welcome back to A Place for Film, the official IU Cinema podcast. My name is David Carter, and recording in person with me today in my finally fully set up office is Elizabeth Rell. Say hi, Elizabeth. Hello. This is our second in-person record since uh, 2019. It feels sort of normal. It does feel oh. sort of normal. Also, the first non, it's like we've never recorded. No, that's not true. We did oh. record in our house. We recorded with Matt when we recorded the Phantom Menace episode. Rip to that Phantom Menace episode. I know. It's just gone, everybody. <laughs> that's one of the 1991. It didn't make the cut. Did not make the cut. Uh, also, that one's real weird because I just distinctly remember like I hadn't seen the movie in an incredibly long time, and Matt loves that loved that movie, and we started it very late. And I think I fell asleep during it. Yeah, because it's also just <laughs> a dull movie in, in parts of it. Love people defending that and finding all the weird politics in it. That besides just not being a particularly good movie, the biggest sin of that movie is that it's really boring. And it's long. <laughs> and it's a long movie, but... You can't be boring and long. <laughs> but we are not... Here to talk about that. Uh, yeah, we're just here to hang out and record. Uh, a pretty loose episode. I, uh, we just didn't want to go another week without an episode. We wanted to get back into the swing of things since uh, me and Elizabeth's lives are radically different. Also, we've kind of freaky Friday. <laughs> we the, have flip-flopped. Because like, I used to work a seven-to-five job for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And then because of the pandemic slash just the nature of your job at the IU Cinema, you would just work from home a bit. And so we had like really flexible yeah. schedules after a certain point in the week. And now it's like, now I just completely work from home and now you work on campus again. Yeah. And I have a nine to five and you're the one with working nights and stuff. And I know. I take the work home with me now. But do you take it anywhere else? I mean, I have a laptop now. So yeah, <laughs> kind of like uh, pretty much. Elizabeth. I will on runs in the morning if I know I'm like, oh, there's something I need to research like real quick. Like I will legitimately if like there's a podcast on it or an audio book or whatever, like that's what I will listen to. Like I have to multitask to like that degree. And that's why I saw you running. Hopefully I see you more times running. Yes. uh, Yeah. Catch me on campus running. But anyway, (laughs) uh, yes, today we are here to discuss the film Princess Mononoke, which is one of the films playing in the IU Cinema Under the Stars programs. We, I decide, we decided to focus on this one just because we wanted to highlight a film. Because it's the best one? Yeah. <laughs> the best one playing next week? I guess I Sorry, no offense to the other ones. I mean, there are three great films playing next week. But uh, I'm biased. <laughs> but you're biased, and, we'll, and we mentioned last week why you're biased, but we'll get into it more when we get into proper discussion. But before we even get to the schedule... And all those things, I just wanted to highlight some movie-related things. Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley uh, trailer came out today, or the teaser trailer for it. Okay, that trailer came out today. You didn't even text me? Literally dropped, I think at this point, 28 minutes oh ago. Oh, my God. And I just found out about it mere minutes before he walked into the door. It's like a minute and 38 second oh trailer. If I was a better audio producer, I would have a way to have piped in the audio. And we could do like a live reaction <gasps> to you watching it. It's really funny. Of like, So this is a remake of the Carney Horror film i actually reviewed it on uh physical media isn't dead at one point criterion just put it out kind of recently it's one of those like lurid old hollywood try it gets away with a lot of things based on like a very very lurid book i also have read and like a lot it's 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 about a man who i don't want to say too much about the movie because part of the movie is the journey who is essentially a con man works at a circus uh Mm. and he obtains information for a mentalist act which, do you know what mentalism mm. is, Elizabeth? 
It's mentalism is all I'm picturing is the mentalist. So I mean, so like <laughs> mentalism is like a real thing where it's like people can like read you and tell you certain things about yourself just based oh. on like the way you talk and like it, it's it's like a good like parlor trick. But when it's like magic, where it's like a, I can tell like all these things oh. about you, it's you have a partner and you have an incredibly complex code of like ways of speaking and certain words you use and like mm. no one can decide like it's like it seems like natural speech based on those like rhythms of your voice and like tones and the words you're using you can trick people into believing like you're you know everything about them when in reality you're just communicating with a person who can clearly like read the cards that you've like that, uh, that the weird i want someone to do this to me we will watch nightmare <laughs> we will watch nightmare alley and you will see it but i don't want to say too much about the movie anyway it's very cool that Gamal toro has remade this i'm glad this is what he decided to cash his like oscar blank check on was remaking an old hollywood movie it's written by the great kim morgan whose uh, essays i really like and just i'm excited to see what her i don't know if this is her first screenplay but i, I don't if she has another screenplay i apologize this is a mistake i feel especially foolish about kim morgan her other two writing credits are on past IU Cinema films of The Forbidden Room and Seances. I love The Forbidden Room, so my apologies. This is not her first screenplay. Very excited about that. We'll watch the trailer after we're done recording this episode. Yeah, we will. Uh, and then uh, I, I mentioned it at my Zola introduction, but you know, rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, who passed away a couple of weeks ago. Mm. It was very sad. I mentioned in my Zola introduction, and I'll say the same about the other person, Norm MacDonald, who passed away a couple of days ago or yesterday. Uh, just it's very sad to see all mm-hmm. these people like these weren't young people, but like they were middle aged. And it's like sad yeah. that you don't get to see um really talented people. Also, people are putting that echelon of like Philip Seymour Hoffman or James Gandolfini, right. where I was just like uh, always happy to see him pop. Like it's one right. of those like, uh, like, oh, they're in this and like just always good. Then I'm going to watch it. Now I'm going to watch like it's just it's just character actors or comedians or artists who just. I don't know what the right word for it, what the tier is of like actor that's here. Cause they're not mega stars, but they're right. also not like the characterist of character actors right. where it's just like, a, I don't even know that person's name. Like people know who Michael yeah. K. Williams are. People know who Norm MacDonald, like Norm MacDonald's like a comedian's comedian, but like, yeah, it's sad that we'll never get to see these people like reach old age and become like, I would have killed to see, uh, to be in my fifties and been like, Michael K. Williams is 80 years old and he's playing like, Right, <laughs> like, like, like a the, Michael Caine yeah, type exa- thing, or like Christopher Plummer was doing movies, yeah, for a, a while. Yeah, it's just it's just sad, and so um, I could eulogize both of them, but for Michael K. Williams, obviously, there's The Wire. So you're my eyeball witness, huh? To what you step up on this bird trifling, basically, killer everyday working man and all. I mean, don't get it twisted. I do some dirt, too, but I ain't never put my gun on nobody who wasn't in the game. A man must have a code. Oh, no doubt. Omar Little and, like, uh, I have not watched Boardwalk Empire yet. I've been considering it because that's a big performance. I've never yeah. seen him, but, like, like him on his, like, three episodes of The Community. Him, oh, my god! I know. <laughs> as, uh, him in, like, his, like, two scenes in that Mark Wahlberg uh, movie, The Gambler. Just anything. I didn't even particularly like Lovecraft Country. He's great in it. Like, yeah. it was so nice to see him. Like, him in The Night the night of, the Riz Ahmed HBO, oh, like, mm-hmm. series. Just, just fantastic. And then, like, seeing all the people, like, talk about his career as, like, a dancer. And then him, like, you know, originally overcoming his addiction. And just, it's it's been sweet. And with Norm MacDonald, just, like, comedian's comedian. 
I think he's one of the, I, I, he's top three favorite comedians of all time for me. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like weird to think about. And for those who don't know, uh, Norm MacDonald, who was, he most famously, I guess, early career was on SNL as the Weekend Update host. Yeah. And he was also famously fired because his week, he, to me, had the best Weekend Update. Never pulled punches with jokes. He doesn't like, care. Does not care. Yeah. Like, as part of. He his, was Turd Ferguson. Turd Ferguson. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the Weekend up most famously Turd. I mean, he's, yeah. uh, he, he uh, his Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Burt Turd Ferguson. <laughs> Uh, it's a uh, it's a big hat. It's funny because it's a uh, bigger than normal hat. It's like he sort of was just playing himself though too. <laughs> I mean, but that's actually like a really good Burt Reynolds impression. Yeah. Like it's it's so funny because like I what I was the point I was getting as like yes he's famous for like Dirty Work and SNL right and all these things. But I feel like during the outpouring of love that people have had for him in like the past couple of days, it's been really interesting to think about. He was a comedian whose most famous moments, if you know, besides like being on SNL and doing like Burt Reynolds and like all the like recurring jokes you on Weekend Update, Brand his most song. famous things to a lot of people are him on talk shows just being funny. Yeah. Or the roast of Bob Saget where he does the like we gentleman's- that video and it's like, <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> Which you know the origin, like so those will know you should go look up this video. It's like the, it's now, they've now made it available. Comedy Central has now made it available like in its entirety. But- most famously, <laughs> Norm Macdonald was at the roast of Bob Saget. Bob Saget was his good friend. And another a thing about Norm Macdonald you have to know is that like he doesn't care, and his like co- like he was always going for a laugh and not applause. Like I saw this tweet, and I agree with it. Norm Macdonald taught me that sometimes the audience is wrong. Sometimes something is just funny, and yeah. the audience is just not on board <laughs> with it. But another thing is that like, he was in like in the outpouring and like all the like sweet stories about him. A very sincere person. Yeah. Like very like nice. Like very encouraging. It seems like no one ever had a bad word to no. say about him in the least. And so he was really good friends with Bob Saget and he didn't really want to like say mean things <laughs> about him. So he told jokes from like this gentleman's joke book that his father had given to him when he was like a teenager, when he told him he wanted to be a comedian. And so it's just like the corny isn't even really the right they're word. They're so funny. Like they're really fun. But like he tells the most like straight ahead like <laughs> like this person is a scoundrel. Like, like like some of them don't even quite make sense. Some of them don't even quite make which makes them <laughs> incredible. Like I might just and talk. like no one in the audience is really laughing. And then you look at the person he's talking about and they're losing oh, their mind. Well, and then uh, and then obviously during the outpouring, like a lot of the comedians who were there, had, or in in years since, have just been like, uh, if the cameras had been on the stage the entire time, they would have seen that we had tears in our eyes cracking <laughs> up. <laughs> the comedians understand. The audience were the dumb ones. <laughs> um, so RIP to both those people, Norm Macdonald, I was gonna the point I was getting at is that it's like crazy that a lot of what we know him from are like talk show appearances. So go check out the Conan appearances and the moth joke <laughs> yeah. and the the the, the, the Norm Macdonald <laughs> saves the interview and any other like appearance he's been on. Go check out the Letterman appearances. Go watch his interview with M. Night Shyamalan, which was well, once, he's that. like, well, it's like super sincere interview where he's like not making fun of M. Night Shyamalan, but like he's also still telling I'll great jokes at the same time. One. It's anyway, I go on and on. Uh, a rally to show dirty work at the Ice Cinema someday. That would be great. <laughs> Directed by Bob Saget. But we should probably get to talking about our schedule yeah. at the IU Cinema this week. You are making a movie with Carrot Top, right? I made a movie with Carrot Top. Okay. <laughs> But uh, what's the movie going to be called? Really? I know what it's going to be called. Yeah, what's that? 
If it's got Carrot Top in it, you know what a good name for it would be? What's that, Norm? Box Office Poison. <laughs> There's this movie coming out. Yes. Title undetermined at this point. Chairman of the Board. Oh. All right. Do something with that, you freak. <laughs> I bet the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. On Tuesday, September 21st, we have our added screening, which we talked about in our uh, overview of the semester. We got yeah. Singing in the Rain. This is the same day as uh, us, well, not us, I won't be signing, but even though we are in the book, we're not <laughs> at the us. book signing. Although I guess if you want us to sign your book, like a yearbook, we'll do it. Are you going to be there? I'm going to go to Morgan Stearns. I but, just don't know if I'll get off work in time. <laughs> but there will be a book signing at Morgan Stearns. Yeah. Um, I forget. It's at 4.30, I think. It's at 4.30. And then right after the book signing at the IU Cinema, we'll be showing Singing in the Rain. Yeah. The book signing, there's a conversation, but it's going to be on their Facebook page also if you're like, I don't want to leave the house. So you can check that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but guess what? What? I've not seen Singing in the Rain. Whoa! Actually, I did not know this. this. I know. I feel like normally when I say guess what, then you it's seen usually this. I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> uh, I only that's only kind of surprising because you were in the media school, and this is one of those like no one ever showed sh it to me. That's actually kind of crazy. I always figured, not figured. I just have read enough people's media school slash like film curriculums where it's like a. You got your Citizen Kane. See, mm -hmm. you got your singing in the right. Like, you got to hit, like, these, the big, like, right. like, these are pivotal movies in cinema. Like, I, in my Hollywood one class, mm. watch Singing in the Rain. It's one of those that is incredibly up my alley, but beside, with the exception of, like, you guys, most of my friends aren't really into old school musicals. Yes. So then I don't have an opportunity to watch it unless I watch it with you or I watch it at the cinema. So yes. it's a good thing we're playing This it. is a great, I mean, so yeah, if you've never seen Singing in Rain, go see it. I mean, the brief overview of this movie, for those who don't know, it stars Gene Kelly, directed by Stanley Donan. It's about the transition from silent film to talkies and all the, like, hardships that come with that. Like, all the jokes about, like, there's a beautiful actress, but she has a strange voice. And so, like, you know, and people not quite realizing, like how sound will affect their performances and the things they can and cannot do. But it's also kind of this like, just like delightful fantasia of these three characters, like interacting with each other and falling mm -hmm. in love. And there's the famous finale where it just becomes kind of, I mean, Elizabeth doesn't know what I'm talking about, but it's kind of, it kind of becomes a little abstract, I would say. Like, mm -hmm. it's like if we had, uh, if our summer musical series had went, 12 weeks like literally the entire we summer oh we would have done singing in the rain um so uh but yeah anyway make them laugh singing in the rain everyone knows these songs so like please come to that that's at seven o'clock i think that is free no it's four dollars four dollars okay yeah. thank you for I'm, everyone for, <laughs> good to know <laughs> um and then on thursday september 23rd we have princess mononoke which we won't say much about but this is going to be at ice cinema under the stars which means it's at the memorial stadium not the ice cinema correct don't go to the cinema don't go to the It'll cinema we have to keep stressing this <laughs> and uh, what else to say? Any important It'll be at 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that one, this one's free. But our Wally showing, so it Wally is going on. Like it'll start in 30 minutes. We won't be going. I forgot to get my tickets. It sold out. So get your tickets for this because it could sell out. It could sell out. You don't want that to happen. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna buy my get my ticket in advance because I would like to go to this. 
I already, I did it yesterday because Wally sold out and I was like, I have to get this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I should probably get my ticket in advance for this, but. This uh, is also the subtitled version if anyone was wondering. Oh, so if that's interesting. Like the it, reason you will or will not go, it is subtitled. Well, we'll <laughs> mention, uh, you're getting the, the better version because um, <laughs> while I have no gripes with most uh, Studio Ghibli dubs, I would say they range from serviceable to like pretty good. Mm-hmm. I would say this is the worst one. Man. <laughs> it's, it's the worst dub of all the Studio Ghibli ones, so good thing. Uh, and then our final screening for uh, next week, Sunday, September 26th at 1 p.m., we have The Ghost in Mrs. Muir, correct? <laughs> yeah, I like how you say it. Muir? Muir. <laughs> this is part of our Sunday matinee classic series. It's our first one of the semester. It is our first one of the semester. Jean, Jean, Jean. I know, Jean. yeah. It's also part of our... A century of tyranny. A century of tyranny where we are... Because it's because it's her would have been her 100th birthday this year. Isn't that usually why we do the centuries thing? Yeah. Yeah, our first Sunday matinee classics. Are they going to try to be... I think I'm legitimately going to try... So, fun fact about me, I did introduce the movie Zola... Yeah, I know. I was not able to stay for the movie because our house was getting fumigated mm. and I hadn't been home all day because you have to get out of your house for six hours or whatever. Yeah. So, and stay and even watch the So, to this day, to, yeah, I have yet to watch an ice cinema movie this semester. Same. So Why I are we so terrible? It's so weird. We we came, we uh, the cinema opened back up and our lives changed so much that we, two people who were constantly at the cinema, have not even been to the cinema yet. Man. Weird. But, it uh, is very weird. We have not seen this movie, so like I, 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 you know, I don't have a lot of information on it. I'm actually kind of excited yeah. to make the plan to go see this yeah. uh, movie. It's about a widow and her two daughters who moved to a seaside house that's haunted by Rex Harrison, a.k.a. the former tent. Mm. But then they start to, the mama and him start to form a bond. Wink, wink. I like this. (laughs) (laughs) But yep, from 1947, directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, another mank. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, once again, that is $4. It's at Sunday, September 26th at 1 p.m. Get your tickets right now. mask. Wear your mask, uh, no food or drink unless it's bottled water. Um, And the only time you can remove your mask is to drink that bottled water. Yeah, keep those on. Keep those on. And like we said last week, uh, be vaccinated and don't come if you're not. (laughs) Once again, these are me and Elizabeth's views. Don't come. Me and Elizabeth's views, which uh, don't reflect the views of the IE Cinema, but actually kind of do reflect the views. I want my friends to stay healthy. Yeah, we just want people to stay healthy. This disease keeps mutating. Um, If that's annoying for you to hear every single week, at this point, zero tolerance. You're in the wrong place. Yeah, you're in the wrong place. (laughs) So everyone, just be cool. That's been my motto. Just be cool. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us for the schedule this week. And we're going to have just a very brief discussion about Princess Mononoke and why we like it so much. So join us there. I would say we are very much a pro Studio Ghibli podcast. Very much. <laughs> That's an understatement. There's got to be some like anti-Studio Ghibli podcasts out there. Who are just, yeah, because people just love to hate things. That's true. I guess people do just kind of love to hate things if, if this way history is proven. <laughs> um, the thing everyone loves, I'm sure someone's like, everyone loves it. I must hate it. <laughs> but this film, which came out in 1997, is directed by Hayao Miyazaki. And I would say marks as a turning point 
in his mm-hmm. career. Uh, for those who have not seen the movie yet, we won't exactly spoil the movie because it's a long movie. It's two hours it and 15 minutes. It would be minutes. incredible. Like, we would have to sit here for a while to spoil the movie. Yeah, but, you know, we're going to talk about it kind of openly. But the basic premise of it is that there's a boy named... Ashitaka. Ashitaka. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I thought you were going to get it and then... No, I thought it was like Ashka. And I was like, no, that's not right. Ashitaka, Mm -hmm. who when the movie opens, is battling (laughs) some uh, diseased boar. And he's got a curse on his arm. And there is no easing into the movie. There is no like the movie is a cold, like cold open, throws you right into it. So like it's also takes place in like a very specific period in Japan, which I think it's the 14th century, the 14th century. I think the period in Japan lasted between like the 14th century and like the mid 16th century mm-hmm. uh, when when eras would last hundreds of years. And from there, the movie is just about the delicate balance between humanity and nature. Really, I think mm-hmm. that's what you would say yeah. the movie is. There's some gods in there. There's some gods. So like the movie opens. But they're like, like nature a, gods. They're nature gods. It's it's that it's one of my favorite types of like fantasy, which are just like we are at the final days of gods, like humanity's like reliance on gods. Uh, our relationship to them is waning. I, I love, you know, Greek mythology. I love the book American Gods, which is about like gods exist because uh people believe in them right and uh when you stop believing those gods they don't exist anymore it's a super fascinating concept but like part of the like book is them getting into the like uh I don't know, there's, like, funny jokes about, like, uh, there are multiple Jesus Christes because there are different depictions of Jesus. But they talk about, like, the waning of, like, people not believing in these things. And I like that in fiction. But this serves, I don't know, for me in his career, like, we're not doing, like, a full overview of his group, but for me in his career, this serves, like, a big turning point. This comes after Nausicaa, uh, Mm -hmm. and this comes after My Neighbor Totoro. So... I would say this has more in common with Nausicaa than it does with Totoro. Yeah, agreed. But I would say even Nausicaa, you could kind of squint. I, and also comes after Castle in the Sky. I would say uh, Nausicaa, you can kind of like squint and be like, like, yeah, this is a movie for kids. Like, it's kind of crazy at the end, but like, I think a child could watch this. Yeah. I would say this is not a movie for children. No. I Although, like, I did see this movie as a child. I feel like I wouldn't. If I had, so I hadn't seen this one as a child, like probably only in the last like seven years or something. But I would say if I saw it as a child, I just probably wouldn't have liked it as much. Like I just would have been like, meh. But it's such an interesting turning point for him because one, this is like, while there was like some breakthrough with Nausicaa and Castle in the Sky and uh, more to an extent, My Neighbor Totoro, this was like his big like crossover hit mm-hmm. like i think people like to remember that spirited away which came out in 2000 One. is w- 2001 which was the bigger like or at least here anyways yeah like that's the one that won the academy award yeah. but this is like the one that people were like uh, oh like this anna cuz it also right. came out in the late 90s where anime's officially having its like a uh, the millennials i guess you would call, like right. i guess millennials are like in like like younger gen x or like uh whatever that weird in-between generation between Gen X and Millennials are. Mm-hmm. Um, anime is a thing we are watching. We're all watching Toonami. It's now just out of VHS trading. It's still considered like weird and taboo and people would make fun of you for it, but it's not. Yeah. It's it's now crossed over to the mainstream to the point where more and more people are getting into it. Do people it. still make fun of, like, do kids still make fun of each other for this? No, anime? Yeah. No, anime is like so main, like, Meg the Stallion listens to anime. Well, I mean, yeah, listens to anime. Like, I mean, watches anime. Like it's maybe like referenced it's just in I came like from a tiny town. I'm like, I could definitely see like 
It was the weird kids that watched this stuff. Yeah, I guess so. But at this, but in 2021, like it's such a, it's reached such a point of mainstream that like, I actually think it's weird when people still have weird Or weird about anime. Or weird about anime. And like, because to me, which has always been the way I've thought about anime, I promise we'll get more specifically back into Princess Mononoke. (laughs) The thing about anime for me is that it's, it's no different than any other medium or art form in that some of it is very palatable and yeah. like easy to watch. And it's, you know, like any movie and or TV show and some of it is crazy. And like, mm-hmm. I think there's a certain extent that like, because Akira was the thing that kind of broke through as far as like anime, everyone has like the preconceived notion and also Dragon Ball Z being like a touchstone. Everyone just has the preconceived notion like, oh, that weird like sci-fi action like crazy thing happens, it's kind of perverted. It's like right. all that still kind of lingers as like yeah, as like a stigma. I don't know. I think we're so past it at this point. Actually, like if it were up to me, like there would be at least three anime films playing at the cinema every semester, just because yeah. it's so ubiquitous. <laughs> well, it's just so ubiquitous. Yeah. In the in like there are these like master animators and writers and things that like we don't talk about their films as much. We come to Studio Ghibli. We come back to Studio Ghibli like yeah. so much, but like. There's a whole wide world out there, everybody. If you're listening to this and like you haven't dipped your toes into other anime or anime films, I'm uh, happy. I mean, I also have if you want to bug me on Twitter or Instagram, like I'm happy to give suggestions. Like I'm not, I'm not going to throw you into the deep end of the pool. Like I said, like there are th- good things to start yeah. with. But specifically about Princess Mononoke, big crossover hit. And coming after all three of those films I just talked about, it's kind of a shift for him because while I feel like this is at the point where like he is... He's kind of gone, like like I said, um, Nausicaa, while also based off of a manga that he wrote, Nausicaa is kind of this, like, there are gods and things like that, and Castle in the Sky, there's like, I feel like those two more occupy a steampunk aesthetic. Mm-hmm. This and like Spirited Away and uh, How's Moving Castle, we are now firmly into, this is like dark fantasy. yeah. I don't know. That's like a that's I, I would say these run of like films starting with this is what people most associate Hayao Miyazaki with. There's a like I would say he's in his like late period at this point where things have like shifted even again. But this film, I find it beautiful. I, I don't know. Like I don't. It's just yeah. it's beautiful and it's also very complex. This is not a black and white film. So like I, I, I think it would be easy to make this film and say like, which which we would all agree with the sentiment like. Once there was this paradise where gods and men coexisted in somewhat of a harmony, and then uh, men overstepped their bounds and they burned the paradise to the grounds, and that's just the cycle of life for humanity. But this movie kind of posits, and I don't know if you would disagree, it's kind of like a, well, the humans, while they're kind of overstepping their bounds, they're also just trying to survive at the exact same time. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like no one in this movie is black and white, which is why I enjoy it so much. Right. Like, Lady uh, Lady Ibiboshi, like, I was reading this essay by Glenn Kinney, and I was also reading some thoughts from, like, Hayao Miyazaki from his book Turning Point, Starting Point, Turning Point, like, a two books that... He never wrote, like, an autobiography, mm-hmm. but he did, like compile like his journals into two books called like starting point and turning point which are essentially like his journals about like studio ghibli and then like all the films he was making i forget where the worst turning point ends but he talks about in this essay by glenn kenny they both kind of mention like the idea of being like a 20th century person in the 21st century writing about something that you know a time when things weren't ambiguous like things were a little bit more black mm-hmm. and white and they talk of, he talks about that character her being like 
kind of a very 20th century personality. Yeah. And how that, like, she kind of rubs people the wrong way. And Hayao Miyazaki said, like, a, because someone from the 20th century would seem like a demon. In <laughs> but, the 14th century. Yeah, but, like, her whole thing of, like, she's a complex character. Like, yes, she is... There's this industrialization theme going on during the movie and they're like clearing forest and like the the whole starting point of this is like because they a musket round got lodged in this boar's body and mm-hmm. it's infecting everything. But like she also is the only person who takes in the lepers and gives them like right. f- like food and clothing and she gives all the women like or like all the like sex workers and women right. in town like what jobs to do and like they're happy like and so it's this precarious balance of like humanity while being this kind of destructive force also isn't this like black and white evil thing. And yeah. I don't know, you never really find movies that paint that gray of a canvas with yeah. its characters. Like humans are humans. It doesn't erase the human nature of like, we're going to destroy things. Yeah. I mean, and I think he was kind of, he tried to not be hypocritical of that like i think he used the example of um it's like a business like the reason he would never make a movie that black and white he he compared it to like a large corporation saying that they're pro like like saving the forest and right. like nature but like being a large corporation you can't even like it's not possible those two things can't really mingle so i don't know i enjoy that about the film it's also incredibly fluidly animated it's got some early cgi in like the opening scenes, mm-hmm. which I quite actually quite enjoy. I like that like late nineties, early aughts, like, guess we're gonna try using computers along with hand drawn <laughs> animation. I don't know. I like that. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I don't know. I like that in like there was recently on Twitter someone asked like the question like, what was the best uh you ever thought like a video game like when you were like young, you're like, it it just won't actually get better than this. Yeah. And the best answer I saw, like the most like well thought out answer wasn't like a, I was nine years old and then Super Mario 64 came out and I was like, whoa, it wasn't like that. It was like this era of video games with this, especially this video game called um, Street Fighter 3, which mm-hmm. could do in a whole podcast about the video game Street Fighter 3. Oh but it was this all hand-drawn, like multiple frames per second. So it's like, it's like you're playing a cartoon. Like it's like you have control of a cartoon character and there's like a level of fluidity How long to did it. this game take to create? Oh, thousands of man hours. Like, I can only imagine, like, the amount of, like, testing and everything that went into it. But, like, yeah, that, like, combination is from the, it's from the early aughts, like, mid to early aughts. And, like, that combination of hand-drawn animation with, like, some 3D rendered things in the Mm -hmm. background. Like, I love that. Yeah. I love that fusion. Yeah. I'm, I'm always sad. I'm always sad that, like, we're way, we're so past that era that if somebody did it now, it would have to be a conscious choice, not like a, oh, yeah. Of, not a choice of, well, we've perfected hand drawn animation. I guess we should probably try to figure out this new thing. And before it shifted, oh, the new thing is all we're going to do. And now the hand drawn animation is, yeah, pretty much a dead art at this point. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I've talked a lot about this movie. Elizabeth, you have a Kodama tattoo. So yeah. <laughs> I just I don't know what like I kind of want to ask you like uh what was the impetus behind getting the tattoo? How do you feel about this movie? Obviously, yeah, I love it, but like I mean, if you know me, you know that I'm probably the type to get a tattoo, but I just never like taken the plunge or whatever. And like this is one of my favorite movies, like consistently in the top ten. They always change, but like consistently in the top ten, and. Like, just how we've been talking about kind of, like, the nature versus human type things. Like, I would say as I continue to get older, like, I see more of 
Like, I'm more on the nature side. Like, humans yeah. suck. <laughs> so <laughs> I, like, really, like, I could just really get behind, like, a movie with this kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not a lesson, but, like, obviously it's way more complex than a lesson. Yeah, it's not really a moral. Like, there's no, like, real moral right. to the story outside of the moral story is, like, it is what it is. And, like, <laughs> kind of. consider others besides yourself. Yeah. But, like... I just, as I get older, I feel more connected to nature because I try to do, like, try to respect nature more and stuff um, and be in nature. And so, like, that drew me in immediately when I was watching the movie and the Kadamas especially because they, so they're, like, the little forest, the tiny little white forest spirits, if you don't know what they're called. Um, But they only come out in the forest when the forest is healthy, which many layers of meaning for me to get a tattoo of it. I don't know. This is a lot, like, very personal. Uh, so y'all are learning a lot about me. They And they're just, like, so stinking cute. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have a great meaning. So it was, like, very obvious as to what I should get as my first tattoo, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with the the crowd of people who are just, like, uh, not all tattoos have to have meaning. Sometimes you just want to put a cool thing on your body. But, I mean, it's nice that you put that level of thought into it. Yeah, like if I it's got, like, a lot of pressure to get your first tattoo, I feel I mean, like. look, I, I'm getting my you first know. tattoo in uh, on October 2nd. And so I and, and it, it took me a long time to decide, like, all right, I think this this symbol has enough meaning for like to me that mm-hmm. I'm okay with uh, being buried with it, <laughs> like, right. essentially. And obviously, I know people, once you get your first tattoo, you're like, eh, after the first or second one, then you're kind of like, eh, looks cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's beautiful. Well, I, I, I told everyone this would be a short episode. So Elizabeth, do you have any final thoughts on Princess Mononoke? Anything you'd like to tell people who are going to be seeing it at the stadium next week? Weather permitting. I just want to mention that. If it rains, I'm going to be so angry. Yeah, if it rains and we have to cancel screening, there's no backup screening for it. Um, But I I mean, this is not a pro streaming podcast by any stretch of imagination, but I will say that for many years, Hayao Miyazaki's films were not available to be streamed. Mm -hmm. You can only own them physically. And now all of Studio Ghibli's films, I'm pretty sure it's all of them, or at least a large majority of them, are on HBO Max. So if if this gets rained out and you've never seen this film... You can watch it on HBO Max, and I stand by my thing. It's the worst dub, so I know if you Don't hate reading subtitles, please just, just gotta, you're gonna have to power through a little bit. Which, like, hurts me because I am such a Gillian Anderson fan. I know. Well, she actually gives one of the better performances well, yeah. in the in the dub. It's, it's, it's kind of anchored down by, like, like, an unfortunately, I don't think very good, like, Jada Pinkett Smith. Performance. Um, and then Billy Bob Thornton, who I essentially, who I think just rolled out of bed. I was like, how did he get this? It, it just, just no, just no tone to his voice. Just flat <laughs> speaking. So bizarre. Very bizarre. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your final thoughts. Is there anything you'd like people to know before they see this film at the stadium? One, I just want you to be there. Two, I want you to say hi to me so you can see my tattoo because I like showing it off. Three, the movie in general. Buckle in. It's 134 minutes, but you're not going to be bored. No, it kind of... Your, your butt might hurt from sitting on the it, stands. It's also not, I would say, like, while it's a very, like, pensive movie in its ideas, mm-hmm. in its pacing, no. absolutely not. I mean, there are multiple battle scenes in this movie, and they yeah. rule. Like, there's some, like, incredible action in this movie. I just wanted to stress that. Incredibly violent. Very violent. Point. I mean, I'm but just going to okay. say it. I'm going to say it so no one's shocked if you're seeing this for the first time. 
multiple people decapitated by arrows. Yeah. Which you're, which I wonder if you're saying that like, well, how does that happen? Watch the movie and find out. Exactly. Uh, so it's uh, once again not for the faint of heart. Uh, I, I would say, like we said last week in our uh, overview episode, you know, not a movie for children, but. If you know your child, I think this could be a special, yeah. especially if they're of like age to be able to read subtitles. Like one brought his kid to Blade, and she fell asleep. Yeah, and so like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's if and, you know they're of the age where reading subtitles isn't a chore for them. I don't know. I'm now in my 30s, and I think there's something, and it's probably just nostalgia. A movie that's slightly too violent for a child. Yeah, I think is and I mean, like it's thing. less of a big deal because you'll be at the stadium, so like. It's not like you're in a tiny theater and your kid starts crying or whatever. Yeah. But, like, whatever. Exactly. Also, just, like, so it's a battle between all of these people. I think that it, like, very much plays on, like, Miyazaki's, like, passive, like, self-proclaimed pacifist. Yeah, he's a, yes, he's a pacifist. <laughs> so, like, anti-war, uh, mm-hmm. which I also can very much get behind that sentiment, especially. I think many of us can now recently. Yeah. Um. So, like... It's a timeless movie. Like it's set in the fourteen hundreds. We are the fourteenth century. Those are different. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but like today and the year of our Lord twenty twenty one, still incredibly relevant. Very even relevant. Though it was made in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, new new day, same thing. Yeah, I love every this day mo- same every thing. every day same thing. I love this movie. Uh, I would say of his oeuvre. Uh, it's <laughs> David was like, "How many fancy Oof. words?" Can yeah, I, I can't use say today? I can't say names today, but for some reason, <laughs> of his, uh, I don't know. I feel like of all of his movies besides The Wind Rises, this is the one. You know, not to say that darkness implies maturity, but mm. because of the like gray nature of like all the characters in the situation, like I would say this is probably the most like mature film. Yeah, he ever he ever made. Uh, and I love it. And I don't know. I think the animation's incredible. Mm-hmm. I think I think just just cherish the two the incredible two D animation that we have and have access to. Like I said it's a dying art form. Maybe someday someone will rescue it. But we love Hayao Miyazaki. I hope he finishes his post retirement film. Oh my gosh, he was supposed to retire after this film. I know he's like, <laughs> man. Is, Every film, I'm gonna retire. Yeah, I mean he hate I he have nothing respect for him. He is a grumpy man who hates working, but loves what he <laughs> who secretly loves what he does so much. He had it, there's no it comp, like it will compel him until the day he dies. Yeah, and that is I people like that rarely exist, and I'm glad he still exists. And, yes. Um. Yeah, we love Hayao Miyazaki, but with that. That's going to be a place for film this week. Once again, please check the Ice Cinema's schedule website for things. That's the, where you can get tickets. That's where you can get tickets. Um, Find out parking information. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Stern singing in the rain next Tuesday. Please come. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at SamuraiFlix and on Instagram and Letterboxd at Robert Dolphy. Elizabeth, where can people find you? Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, if you would like. At my name, Elizabeth Rell. And just going to plug it, because it'll be out at this point, the entire Heartland Film Festival, which will be from October 7th through the 17th. The only reason I mention it is because a lot of close ties to I Cinema family, not just me. So what you're saying is you're going to debut your tattoo at the Heartland Pretty Film much, Festival. yeah, pretty yes. much. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll even do like an impromptu episode about it, since it's another I Cinema favorite, uh, yeah. what the tattoo is based off of. Um, but... Uh, 
7th through the 17th, the tickets for all events are on sale. I will, on Twitter and Instagram, do a, just because it's, it's for me, it's a novelty. Obviously, this is a career I've wanted for a long time, but like, I will post the films that I championed uh. slash, slash want people to check out that I feel very uh, strongly about one of them, about another uh, now passed away anime auteur that we have the U.S. premiere. Oh, man. Uh, so that's, that's been very exciting. But yes, tickets for that are on sale at the Heartland Film Festival website. And then other than that, yeah, it's been a place for film. We'll hopefully this time actually see you at the movies. We'll, we'll be at one of them eventually. <laughs> so good night. Good night. <laughs>